Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. It sure is going to be a glorious day, church. Amen? I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? I'm sure you are. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to join me this morning in the Gospel of Luke and chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11. What a beautiful day. Sunday, Lord's Day, first day of the week. What more could we say? Get to, get to be with each other. Aren't you happy about that? I know you missed everybody, didn't you? Sure you did. Three of us did anyway. Man, good to see you on this beautiful Sunday morning. If you're visiting with us, if you're a guest, we, uh, we're honored to have you here at Open Bible. And uh, we'd love for you to fill out a Connect card so we can keep a track of those who visit with us. And uh, I know some people don't like, you like to be inconspicuous, right? You don't want anybody to know where you're at. We won't bother you. We won't hound you. Uh, but we'd like to have a record of you being here. And then we have a gift for you uh, back at the Welcome Center, the Welcome Desk. If you'd go by there at the end of the service and uh, see one of our greeters there, they'd be happy to chat with you just, just for a moment. Uh, last week, if you were with us last week, who was here last week? Who forgot they were here last week? Amen. Who's not even here today? And I think you were. Last week we talked about something interesting, at least it was for me. We took a look at the generations. In fact, I, I kind of narrowed it down, if you remember, to generational giving. You remember that? Last week. And we talked a little bit about, about the generations, and we went, back, uh, we went back a little bit. You know, we went back to uh, the great generation, or at least that's what it's called. You know, uh, right? How many, how many have heard that before? The greatest generation, right? And that's, uh, you know, uh, by the way, uh, we don't come up with these labels. I mean, I didn't come up with that label. I didn't call them that. It's just what they're, they're known as. That's that, that uh, World War II generation, right? And some great people lived during that time. And some great people live today. Isn't that right? Um, so then, but we went from, now pay attention right here. We went from the, what would be called the greatest generation. And by the way, when you look at society today, that generation has really dwindled. There's not many left from that generation on earth today. Uh, and then we looked at what is known today as Generation Alpha. Alpha, you know, and, uh, and that's everybody born, I think, since, what, 2015, I said, and until today. Uh, but we highlighted, we highlighted uh, a generation called the Baby Boomers. By the way, that's the, great, that's the greatest generation. Where's all the baby boomers? Yeah, go ahead. Look at there. Praise the Lord. Uh, so we highlighted the boomers and Generation Z, right? Just to give you some, uh, some bearing, uh, if, if the oldest person alive today that would be a boomer would be 77 years old, okay? Anybody here 77? Go ahead and admit to it. God bless you, my sister. You don't look a day over 42. Amen. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been a while since my last confession. These are my sins. 
45-ish. There you go. Uh, so, but uh, now think about this for a second. So a boomer, the oldest boomer alive today would be 77. The oldest generation zier would be 28. You know what they call that? A generation gap. Oh, come on, man. A generation gap. So you got somebody 77, you got somebody 28. Now think about it with me. You know this, they're going to think a bit differently, right? Somebody who's 77, somebody who's 28 is going to view, they're going to view life differently. It's just the way it is, right? Uh, last week we had a couple pop up here. We had a 20-year-older and a 60-something-year-older, and, uh, and, and they just see things differently. The 60-something-year-older is looking forward to retirement. The 20-year-older hadn't even started yet. Right? So they view life differently, these generations do. And here's the, and here, here, here's the interesting thing. Uh, we have to dwell together on earth. To, you know, we're, we're together here. Right? And, and put it, let, let's just put it in this room. So in this room, we have a 77-year-older and a 28-year-older. We have 77-year-old members and 28-year-old members. We have 18-year-old members and 60-year-old members. And guaranteed... They see things differently, they think differently, they view things differently, isn't that right? So here's my question, here was my question last week. How in the world can a 77-year-older and a 28-year-older that views things so differently and sees things so differently, how can we live together, dwell together in harmony? Huh? I mean, how do you, how do you, bring, how do you bring a 77-year-old church member and a 28-year-old church member together in agreement? You got to find something that transcends the generation gap. Say amen right there, right? Uh, you got to try. You got to try to find some common ground. And here's what we did last week. We came to notice that the one thing that transcends the generations is the Word of God, right? The Word of God. You know, the Bible doesn't change per culture. Uh, if you and I were to take a trip today to uh, name a place, a remote place, the Bible will still be God's Word. The Bible will still be the Bible. What God said, God meant for every generation in every culture, no matter what the language, matters not what color uh, skin you are, it makes no difference. God's Word transcends it all. Isn't that awesome? And all we have to do as God's people is tap into that which transcends our differences. So that way, a 77-year-old, and I, I don't mean to be pointing to this side as being the 77-year-olders, and or a 28-year-older can find common ground if we find common ground in the Lord. And it's not what you think about it. It's not a, pay attention right here. It's not a 28-year-older's uh, view of it or a 77-year-old's view of it. No, it's just the view of it. Say amen right there. Amen? So having said that, today I want to take it a step further and talk to you about uh, generational truth. Generational truth. Now, that's, that's, pretty, big, that's pretty big word, isn't it? Uh, generational truth. What, what's he hinting to? Uh, do you have a Bible? You know your Bible is a treasure chest of information, right? I, I mean to tell you, we, we mentioned it last week, but uh, I mean on any subject, on every subject, you know, there's information, there's guidance and counsel in the Word of God. And I'm, I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Uh, but more than that is this. Now pay attention here. 
Everything that you and I need to, need to know about God is in the book, right? Whatever you want to know about God, whatever you need to know about God, whatever God wanted you to know about himself is in this book that we call the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. That's what the psalmist said, right? So a treasure chest of information, it mostly tells us what we need to know about our God. It reveals to us the mind of God and the will of God. Amen? And so we have all this information. In fact, we gain an enormous amount of information from the Bible. But let me caution us, because there's something that needs to be said right here about that information. We're going to be held accountable for it. Say amen right there. So the Bible uh, gives us an enormous amount of information, and I don't have the time to go down the line as to all that it speaks to us about. But if it's just about God, if, we, if the Bible only told us about God, about his plan, the plan of salvation and the plan for your life and my life, that's an enormous amount of information. And the Bible teaches that one day you and I are going to be held accountable for what we know. That's the serious part of it. That's what we hinted to last week. And what we call that is this. We call that the stewardship of information. Right? We talked a little bit last week about stewardship. Right? You remember the psalmist said this? The psalmist said, uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein. Right? The psalmist said that. In fact, the same psalm, I'm going to take my jacket off if that's okay with you. The same psalmist that wrote Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He also, he also said in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, uh, uh, the world and they that dwell therein. And so here's the conclusion. The conclusion is this. Now, we understand, we, we believe that, God, that everything belongs to him. It all belongs to the Lord, including our life. And as a result of that, one day you and I are going to give an account to him at this final audit. Right? I don't like to think about that. I, I don't even like the word audit. Do you? Uh, I, I kind of get I shiver when I think about the word audit. It doesn't bring pleasant uh, thoughts to my mind. But one day there's going to be a final audit that you and I are going to have to stand before God and give an account to him for what? Well, in this text, for the information that he's given to us. It's called the stewardship of information. And in Luke's gospel, chapter number 12, what you find here is a parable, a parable. And some would say this, some, some have called this the parable of the faithful servants. But, it, but for the, the sake of our discussion this morning, I'm going to call it the parable of the informed servants, the informed servants. And I think this, I think it's important to be informed in life. Don't you agree? I believe it is. And we said this, in order to be a good steward, you've got to have a good attitude. Correct? In order to be a good steward of what God has given us, we, have to, we must develop a good attitude. And a good attitude is built upon a good understanding. And that means this, we understand what God has done for us and what God has given us, correct? We understand salvation for the most part. I think when we get to heaven, it's going to be a little clearer, don't you? 
And I think the, the longer we're saved and the older we get, it becomes more precious. I mean, my, my salvation is more precious to me today than it ever has been. I remember when I got saved, I wasn't even 20 years old. I got saved by believing in the facts, in the truth. But now Jesus is more precious, you know, because I'm a little older than 20 now, and I've been saved for a long period of time, you know. And so it becomes more precious. And so we begin to understand uh, salvation and God's requirements built into salvation. And as a result of that, our attitude begins to change, and we desire then to be pleasing to him. You know, I want you to look at this text, and I want to point out a couple of things this morning that I think are really valuable. Look at verse number 37, chapter 12, verse 37. Jesus said this, my Bible has these words written in red, right? How about you? Yeah, you got one of them Bibles? Good. You got a good one. If you don't, I suggest you get another one. Just, just teasing you. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. Now pick it up again. Go back. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Right? And so this is a call to service here. Right? God, God calls us to serve him. And you'll notice, I want you to notice this because I want to be faithful to the scriptures. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, you see the, 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 the word Lord is spelt a little differently. When you and I spell Lord in reference to God, we use a what? A capital L. But when we're speaking about an employer or a master, someone who has a servant and being their Lord in this, these days here, they would call them Lords. Maybe over in England they still do. But we would use a small L because we're not referring to the Lord. However, this, pay attention here, this is Jesus teaching this parable. And you know what a parable is? A parable is an earthly story, a story that you and I could identify with, that Jesus teaches, and then he lays alongside of that earthly story a heavenly truth, a divine truth. So he's teaching a, a story that you and I, a common everyday story that we can identify with, but he's going to try to teach through it a heavenly truth. So he's talking about a, a, a master who's got some servants. And he says again, blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Now, we could develop this into a real deep discussion out of this text. It'll take me a little bit longer of amount of time than I have. But I think that word watching is simply this. Those servants are doing what their master, what their Lord has required them to do. Would you agree? I don't think they were just sitting there watching, being idle, because that would go against Raji everything the scriptures teach us. He said, occupy till I come. He said, he said, work now for nighttime cometh when no man can work. So just to sit around watching would not be, I believe, the teaching of this text. I think it's being prepared. I think it's being active. I think it's being ready. I think it's being, you know, uh, on, the, on the edge of your seat waiting for him to come. And in so doing, you find yourself pleasing to him. Right? But as you read on down, you find a couple of interesting things here. You find in verse number, jump down verse number 41, then Peter said unto the Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? Verse 42, and the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? And so now you see the connection, right? 
He's not just speaking about some employer who's got some employees or some wealthy fellow who's got some servants. He's speaking about his servants. He's the Lord, and we're the servants. Jump down, if you would, in verse number 47. He said this, and that servant which knew his Lord's will. Don't go anywhere yet, guys. Don't go anywhere yet. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Say amen right there. Wow. But, but he that knew not and did not, and, and did not commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required, and to whom, whom men have committed much, of him they shall ask the more. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a tremendous story, is it not? Huh? And what I want to do this morning is just for a couple of minutes, I want to draw your attention to verse 47 and verse 48, and I want to highlight just a few things out of that text of Scripture. But before I do, I want to ask you this question, and I want you to maybe ask your, yourself this. Uh, here's the question, or uh, here's what I want you to ask yourself. Do I really want my life to count for something? Do I want my life to count for something? And, and then I want you to maybe kind of take this in. One day we're going to give an account to God for what we did with our life. Think about that for a moment. I believe this. I believe the scriptures teach that one day I'm going to stand before him and I'm going to have to give an account for what I did with my life. Do you believe that? The psalmist said, the earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. And we said together, and we all agreed, that means that everything belongs to the Lord, including my life. And so one day we're going to stand before him at this final audit, the judgment seat of Christ, and give an account to him for what we've done with our life. And then, if you want to really get the finer details, what we've done with our time and our talents and our gifts and our finances and, hello, the gospel, the information that he's given us, we're going to have to one day answer for it. And that's why in this story here, it's really a story about the accountability of information. The accountability of information. And just think for a moment how much information that we have. Amen? And look what this text, look how this text begins to read. Go back to verse 47. Let me highlight a few things. And that servant which, look at this next few words, which knew his Lord's will. Let's highlight that for a second. They that knew his Lord's will. And you'll notice on the screen that I capitalized the L. Why? Because I'm making this personal. This is for you and I. This is for those of us who claim to be saved. Did you notice here? Look here. These servants had a certain amount of knowledge. Look at it again. Verse 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will. Maybe we can say it this way. These employees knew exactly what their employer required of them. Does that make sense? Huh? Um, the master carefully laid out his desire for these servants, and these servants understood. Look at it again. I want you to get this. 
uh, and that servant which knew his Lord's will. They had information, they had the information they needed to move forward. Say amen. Uh, you know what we did last week? Last week we laid out God's plan for giving. So now, now when you come to church and we, 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 go, we, we take a time for giving, now you're no longer in the dark. You know exactly what God would have you to do to move forward. Now, if you do that or you don't do that, that that's up to you, but you're no longer ignorant. Three people said amen. Huh? Right? So God has given us the information that we need mm, to move forward, and now they would be accountable uh, to the master. So let's make this personal. We have certain information available to us. Isn't that right? I mean, we, we got it right here. We have the Word of God. And every, every single week when you come to a place like this, somebody stands up and expounds upon the Word of God. We open it, we read it, and then we try to, you know, we try to break the bread so that everybody can eat, right? And, whatever, and make it practical. What good is it if I get up here or somebody else gets up here and we begin to talk about the Word of God and you say, but how does that apply to me? What am I to do with that? We need to make it practical because God's Word needs to be lived in and through our lives, right? Lived out through our lives. And so we have certain information available to us, and we know this information, right? We know the plan of salvation, don't we? We sure do. And we know this. We know that God has a perfect plan developed for your life and my life, correct? You may not know what it is, but you know this because God is not arbitrary that he's got a plan for you, correct? And what that means is this, that means that, that we, we have to find out what it is because in the end, we're going to give an answer to God for what we've done with it, right? So what, what is God's plan for my life? We call it the will of God. What's God's plan for my life, right? And in the end, we're going to give an account to the Lord for what we've done with it. Now, hang on this, if you would, just for a moment. The following truth of this story, everything else that is discussed is based upon this statement, they knew the Lord's will. Did you get that? So everything else that, that Jesus says afterward is based upon that statement, Raji. They knew the Lord's will. Look at, look at the next few statements. And that servant which knew his Lord's will, and read with me, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten. Did you see that? So they knew his will, but then, basically, I think if you would agree, they neglected his will. Did you see it? I don't believe you. People in the back, did you see it? You see it there? Huh? They knew his will, but prepared not himself, neither did according to his will. They shall be beaten with many stripes. And so we would say this, this individual was derelict in their responsibility. Are you with me? They knew what the master required. They knew what the master desired. And yet, they were derelict with their responsibility, or they neglected to do what the master, what the Lord, had required of them. That's what it says in that text of Scripture. Isn't that right? Uh, they had the information to move forward, but they did nothing with that knowledge. Correct? Now, I want you to notice this. Please notice this. Their neglect of responsibility was not ignored. In fact, the master dealt with them. 
Correct? Look at it again. I want you to see this in verse number 47. They shall be beaten with many stripes. Now, I do not think, I do not believe that the Lord is going to beat us with many stripes. Aren't you glad? Huh? But I do believe this. I do believe he's going to hold us accountable. Say amen. He's got, he's, he, he has to. He's got to hold you and I accountable for what we know, for what we do with what we know. Right? He, he just has to. And, and I want you to notice this. I want you to notice the fair treatment he, he gives to those who didn't know in verse 48. He says, but, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. He that knew not. So he that knew the master's desires, the master's will, and neglected it, were beaten with stripes. They were held accountable at a different level than those who did not know the master's will. Did you ever read, let me, let me see if I can illustrate this for us. Did you ever read over in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, where it talks about, you know, there's going to come a time where they shall where the Lord shall send strong delusion and, and they will believe the lie who had pleasure in unrighteousness. All right, so let's, let, let, let me see if I can make sense of this. Let me pick on a couple people, TJ and, and Dave. So I come out, uh, I'm going out, Tyler and I are going to go out and just visit throughout the neighborhood. And, and we're just going to, we got these, we got these uh, invitations uh, uh, to our church. We want to invite people to come to our church, you know. And so we, we knock at, at TJ's door. And now TJ, pay attention right here, TJ, his, his great-grandfather was a believer, his father was a believer, uh, his grandfather, his father, but when TJ, he just did not, uh, he didn't get with the program. In fact, he goes to work, and there's people at work that witness to him and try to tell him about Jesus and try to get him saved, and he just will not get the program. So Tyler and I, we go, we knock at his door. TJ opens up the door, and Tyler says, hi, my name is Tyler. We're out from Open Bible Baptist Church. We got this event coming up, and, and TJ says, I wouldn't be interested. So Tyler says, well, then, can I at least share the gospel? And TJ just says something like this, listen, I heard it all before. Don't believe any of it. I do not believe any of it. I'd ask you to leave my doorstep. Okay. Okay. You did say you've heard it all before. You did have a great-grandfather, a grandfather, and a father, and now you just want nothing to do. Okay. So we leave it. Tyler, we just walk away, right? And so, but just right down the street, we knock at another door. Here comes this guy named Dave. Now, Dave really was brought up without, without religion. You know, his great-grandfather, his grandfather, his father, they were not believers. They didn't have much church-going experience. Just good people, decent people. So we knock at the door, and uh, we give the same spiel. You know, hey, my name's Tyler from Bible Baptist Church. We'd like to invite you. Uh, really? What's going on here? And then we get to the place where we begin to share the God, and Dave says something like this. Dave says something like, man, I've never heard that before. I never heard that before. Man alive. He, said, uh, he says to Tyler, he says, do you think, he's not ready right now. He, he just never heard this before. And so he's saying, man, I got I to think about it. You think there's a time you can come back and talk with me? And Tyler says, sure, we'll be happy to. And so what works for your schedule? And so it's Tuesday. So how about Thursday? We'll be back on Thursday. And we walk away saying, man, that was awesome. You know, this fellow TJ threw us off the step, and Dave wants us to come back. He's going to make us dinner. Isn't that what he said? <laughs> but guess what happens on Wednesday? On Wednesday, Jesus comes back, and it's the rapture of the church. It's the end of the church age. Neither one of these fellows made a decision to trust Christ as their Savior. So guess where they're at? 
there on earth. Yes, for me and Tyler's that. Well, at least I, I'll tell you where I'm at. I'm not sure where he's going to be, but <laughs> we're going to be in heaven. We're in heaven. But these guys are still where? On earth. Why? Well, because he said, get out of my face, don't want anything to do with it. And he said, I never heard that before. Neither one of them accepted Christ as their Savior, and the only way to go up is to get in. Oh, you missed that. I give you so many good things, and you're just like, you got to get in Christ in order to go up. Are you with me? Huh? So what happens? Well, here's what happens. Now, the rapture of the church, guess what happens on earth? The tribulation period. The tribulation period, right? And I don't have time to take you to that text of Scripture, but the Bible says there's going to come a day the Antichrist will be revealed, right? The mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now let, will let till be taken out of the way. Holy Spirit out of the way. Antichrist is on the scene. Tribulation period. He says this during that period of time. He's going to send strong delusion so that they which had pleasure in unrighteousness will believe the lie. Huh? So here's what happens. Here's a fellow named Dave, and Dave says, I never heard that before. I need more information. It's not that he's rejecting it. He didn't throw us off his step. He asked us to come back and get more information. So guess what I believe? Here's what I believe the Bible teaches. A guy like Dave can be saved in the tribulation period because people do get saved in the tribulation period. It's not going to be easy, Dave. You know, you're going to have to probably go through some persecution, but you can get saved. But a guy like TJ, who adamantly said, I don't want anything to do with that, I don't believe he's somebody that's going to believe the lie. Huh? Are you with me? But the bottom line is, is they're both going to be held accountable for the information they've been given. Sad thing is, and I'm a, I'm a preacher of the Word of God, sad thing is, for somebody who will not believe there's eternity for them. In fact, this Wednesday night, I'm starting a series called Eternity for All. There's an eternity for a guy like TJ who won't believe. And there's an eternity for a guy like Dave who says, I've never heard that before. What do I need to do next? Are you with me? But we're all held accountable for what we know. Why? Because it's called the stewardship of accountability. And if we neglect the Lord's will, look what he says here. We're going to be, they're going to be beaten accordingly. But for somebody who just did not know, the Lord is gracious. Amen? Now, that doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean Dave can go to heaven just because when he shows up at the gate and Peter says, why should I let you in? Dave says, because I didn't know. No, sooner or later, you're going to have to find out. Because the only way you go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Amen? But the Lord is fair. Aren't you glad? The Lord is fair. How about a child? I like to bring this up every once in a while. How about a child who's born, and maybe they're autistic or they're handicapped and some mental cap uh, missing some mental capabilities, you know, and they just can't put it all together. There's salvation for them who can't be saved. I can prove it in scriptures. This is not the message. There's salvation. Why? Because the Lord is gracious and the Lord is fair. Amen. But I want you to notice this one final thing in verse, number, in verse number 48. He says, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Now pay attention here. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required. So the final thing I want, I want you to see is this. I want you to take a look at those who understood the Lord's will. 
Did you, did you pick up, it says in verse number 48 again, for unto whomsoever. You know, that's, you know that's, that's talking about you and I. That's talking about his servants, his people in every generation. Whomsoever. For unto whomsoever. That's us. Right? So now this is a, pay attention, this is a modern day parable. Now he's talking about you and I. Whomsoever. And then he says this, uh, in that parable, uh, whomsoever, look at it again, uh, for unto whomsoever much is given. You see that word much? That word much is another way of talking about information. Information. And so uh, we've been given a whole lot of information, don't you agree? And, And it's called here in this text, much. The Lord has given us much. Much. Think about it. Think about this. Uh, We think about salvation. Begins with salvation. Oh, how much he loves us. Correct? And then you think about his, you know, the many promises in the Bible. I mean, tons of them. Talking about his protection, his provision. Right? His power. I mean, we get much. But look what it says in the latter part of that. For unto whomsoever much is given. What's it say? Come on, read it. Read it. Unto him shall what? Much be required. We've been given a whole lot. A whole lot of information. We know a whole lot. We know about salvation. We know about his provision. We know about his promises. We know about his presence. And much will be required. Much will be required. Just think about how much you know. I'm finished. Think about how much you know. And then think about what you're doing with it. Come on now. Think about how much you know. And then think about, what am I doing with it? What am I doing with what I know? I hope I'm not derelict with my responsibility. I hope I'm not neglecting mm, the Lord's will or the Lord's desires for my life. Because to whom much is given, much shall be required. Are you with me? I got saved in 1979. That was a pretty long time ago. And after I got saved, I started to attend a, uh, just a small church. In fact, it was a house church to begin with. They were meeting in a house, you know, kind of like they did in, in, in the New Testament. And, and man, it just it kept growing. And it wasn't long before they found this little building. And we got our first pastor. And uh, man, I, me, 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 and, me and Mrs. Genizzi, she got saved. We started to attend. And uh, it, we, it was all new to us, man, but it was awesome. In fact, one of the main reasons I like going to church is because the pastor was kind of thick-necked, you know, uh, and thick-waisted, um, and he had red, red, red hair, right, Donna? And, man, when he would preach, I'll tell you, his face would turn as red as his hair, and I thought one day this guy's head's going to explode. I'm going back next week to see if this is the week it happens because he would get he would just passionate about it, you know? I had no idea what he was talking about, but then it started to sink in. And I started to realize that, you know what, man, I really have been saved. And, and, and man, it just, it, you know, I got baptized and we joined the church. And, and I'll never forget after a process of time, because he would have missionaries come in. And, and then every once in a while, he would, he would preach about getting active, getting involved in church and using what God has given you. And, and I never forget this, when he, he came over to me one time, this is, I grew a little bit in the Lord, I started to get faithful in church, and he asked me this, Tyler, he asked me 
if I would consider being one of the teachers in the children's church department. And I thought, children? What can go wrong there? <laughs> Show you how naive I was. And so I'll never forget my first week. I was going to teach a lesson, and I picked, I picked all the deep lessons in the Bible. Jonah, Noah, Daniel and the lion's den. All those deep, deep, deep truths. You know, I was just saved for a couple, you know. Not. And so we go, we got the fifth and sixth, me and Mrs. Genesee, we got the fifth and sixth, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. So we go into the class, I got my Bible, I got my notes on three by five cards, man, I'm ready to go, shirt and time, man, let me at this. And I look at the group, it's all the pastor's kids, the deacon's kids. Right, Don? And I mean to tell you, the first thing I thought about is they know more than I do. And for weeks, for weeks, we did every other week, I was on a rotation, for weeks, I was so intimidated. And I just kind of felt they were laughing under their breath at me. You know, they would smile, but when I would turn my head, they would hit each other, you know. He's got Noah and, and Daniel mixed up. He's got Noah in the lion's den. He's got Daniel on a boat. What's this guy teaching us? You know? <laughs> but I got involved. And I'll never forget the day when I was teaching. I don't remember the lesson, but I was teaching in that little children's church with the fourth, fifth, sixth graders. And man, all of a sudden, it just, it just sunk in. It sunk in what I was doing and what I was allowed to do and the privilege of doing it. And I started to enjoy it. And it went from, from that to something other to something other. And then the day, at, at the day, when my pastor pulled me into his office and said, I want you to pray about something. I said, what is a preacher? He said, I want you to pray about being a deacon. I mean to tell you, I'm almost passed out. A deep, me? A deep, me? A, me? And he said, yeah. And we talked for about, probably about an hour. And he said, I want you to go home and, and talk to your wife about it and pray with us. Oh, man, that's not going to be easy. Because she knows me. And the first thing she's going to say is, you? I mean, I said me. And she's going to say, you? And so I went home and, you know, real sheepish. And, and you remember, right? We remember. And, and I said, I think we were in our bedroom. And I was getting changed from coming home from work. And, and I said, hey, you'll never guess what happened today. I was talking to Pastor and, and, and he, he said this, he said, I ought to pray about, we ought to pray about being a deacon. You know what she said? She said, I already knew about it. I said, he called you? She said, no, no, God's been preparing my heart. Really? And I mean to tell you, she got right on board and began to support me. By the way, a wife should support a husband every time the husband says, I want to step up and do something for God. Huh? I don't care if he wants to rob banks in the name of Jesus. Get behind him, man. As long as it's in the name of Jesus. Would you please take that off? Everything we just said, somebody's going to go and use that against me, I'm sure. And so, and then I'll never forget the day when he called me in and, and he said, I, he said, what do you think you're going to do with your life? And I got called to preach. And I mean, it just went one thing. But you know where it started out? It started out when my pastor preached about getting active and I knew in my heart I needed to get active and he said to me would you consider and I said okay I'll do it I don't think I'm I don't think I'm capable but I'll do it and it went from that to that to that and now I've been pastoring as a, as a lead pastor for 35 years this upcoming March three and a half years as a youth pastor before that you know so I got I got almost 39 years of full-time Christian service under my belt and it all started with those little fourth, fifth, and sixth graders laughing at me. And I said, I'll show you. Huh? 
It's kind of like when they were saying to Elijah, go up thou bald head, go up thou bald head, and the she-bear came and ate the kids. Huh? I was going to call a Rottweiler around. Hmm? It's got, look here, it's got to start somewhere. What are you doing with the information that God has given you? Now, I said all that to say this. Here at Open Bible, we have just a diversity of ministries. I mean, we got all kinds of stuff going on. But the only way it can go on is if the membership steps up. It's the only way we can do it. Do you ever, do you ever go to a job fair? You know what a job fair is? You're looking for work, you're unemployed, and then you go to a, you know, uh, you know, some kind of a conference center, and maybe it's a computer, you know, type of environment, and there's computer companies from everywhere, and they got their tables, and you walk by, and you say, eh, I like maybe, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what we got going on in the lobby this morning? A job fair. And I want to share with you some of the great needs that we have, and I'm going to ask you to seriously consider today, before you leave here, I'm going to ask you to consider stepping up in some area of service. Are you with me? For example, we need some help. We need some help in the nursery. <laughs> we need some help in the nursery. And you know what happens in the nursery? You get to babysit some of the, some of the future church leaders. In fact, there might be a, there could be a Ronald Reagan in there. Right? I mean, there could be there could be uh, Joyce Meyer in there. Ah, you like that lady preacher, don't you? Huh? Uh, you never know who's going to be in there, right? It could be could be James Bond, right? Could be the next pastor of Open Bible Baptist Church after the rapture occurs. <laughs> Nursery. And I'll tell you what, I want you to pray about this. If, if, and there's some standards and stipulations and things of that nature that you'd have, to, you'd have to consider. But it would be a great blessing to the Open Bible Baptist Church and to your Lord and to our nursery staff if you would consider just one slot a month, every other month. What is it, Gary? Once a month. And if we get enough, maybe once every quarter. We get a, if we get everybody, it'd be once a year. Maybe not. But, right? And it's a great blessing because here's what you're doing. You're, you're going to watch the child so that a parent, especially as the church continues to grow and new families come, you're going to watch the child so the parent can come and hear the word of God. Nothing better than that. And when you get to heaven, you know, and, and you give an answer for, you're going to be able to know that that mother and that father got the chance to come to church, listen to the priest, because I watched their child just one Sunday a month or a quarter. Isn't that a blessing? So, out in the back there, there's a table, and on it, a little label that says nursery. All you need to do is go by and just give to whoever's sitting back there your name and phone number, say, I have some interest. It doesn't mean you're volunteering. It doesn't mean I have some interest. Maybe, maybe you say, I don't have interest, but the pastor said it, so I need to do it. That'll work, too. Amen? Huh? Uh, we need some help in the children's ministries. We need some folks that will come in and assist some of our teachers. You know, and, and children are wonderful. I mean, it's great to see these young lives and how they're touched by the Word of God. And so maybe you consider working in one of our children ministries. We've got a lot going on. While we're in here, there's all kinds of stuff going on on this property. You know, not only that, but music. I mean, we have a great music ministry here. Our choir does a phenomenal job. We, I would love to see us one day develop an orchestra. 
But, but we can't go hire people to come in and play. We got to find out who here plays instruments, who would like to participate in that. And then maybe more choir members, our, our vocal team, you know? And, and now listen, here's the thing. Everybody thinks they can sing. I think I can sing, but they won't let me in that choir. You know, uh, but so, uh, but volunteer, just put your name in there and let one of our music leaders come and contact you and just talk with you a little bit about what's, what's involved, right? So you got nursery, you got, you have uh, uh, children's ministries, you got music, and then you have something called the first touch ministry. First touch ministry are greeters and ushers, you know, things of that nature. They're the people out there, you know, when the weather breaks, parking lot attendants, you know, I want to get involved, sir. We need husband and wife greeters. And we need some young family greeters. I like a mixture of the young adults and the middle adults and the old, the generation. Let's bridge the gap, you know? And service causes us to transcend the cultures, correct? And so maybe you'll sign up for the First Touch ministry. Uh, and then, you know, it's all predicated upon this, being a member at OB, being a member. And so well, there's a table out there say, you know what? I'm not a member of any church. I like to have some information. Just because you sign up doesn't make you a member. But we love to talk to you about it. We love to maybe have, come, come visit us. We'll come visit you. Talk to you a little bit about what it means to be a member of a local church and the blessings. You know, that's my church. And I want, to, I want to take ownership in that. I want to see that church flourish. I want to be a part of that, right? And then maybe discipleship. Discipleship is being mentored, being coached, you know, being trained to just grow in your experience and then being able to one day maybe mentor, coach, disciple someone else. And so there's a table out there for that as well. So here, here's the idea. You and I have been given much. And I promise you one day when this is all said and done, there's going to be a final audit where those of us who have been given much, much is going to be required. What have you done with what I've given you? Your talents, your gifts, right? Your time, the information. What are you doing with it? We need to step up and get active and do something with it now. Amen? There should be a card that looks like that. You see that card in the back of the hymn book rack there? Instead of going to the table and, and signing up, we're going to make it easy for you. Just get that card, right? And you just say, yes, you know what? I'm interested. Put your name on there. And then there's a little place where it says address. We don't need your address. Just give us your phone number. And then what you're signing up for. I like to work in the nursery. I like to maybe see if I can get part of the music team. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll think about working with the children. I need membership. Or maybe it's something other. Maybe you say this. Maybe there's some lady in the church that says, I like to pastor the church. Go ahead and write that in there. You're laughing. Huh. Maybe, maybe there's something there that says, you know what, I, I like to do this or I like to do that. I would be good at cleaning the church. Maybe I can come around and help out in the office. Whatever. Whatever you feel the Lord wants you to do, go ahead and write it there, and then we'll get these cards and we'll contact you. Okay? And then we'll have a little discussion. Sound like a winner? Yes? Look here, this is his body, and we're all parts of the body, correct? We're all not the right hand or the left hand or the right foot or the left foot. We're all not an eyeball. We're all not a tooth. Most of us are the tongue, right? But there's something for all of us to do because when, when God puts a church together, he puts in that church everything that church needs to function and to function well and to function healthy. Right? And so if you're not doing your part, well, then we're not functioning. It's kind of like we're having to drag the left leg. Why? Because the left leg won't, just won't get with the program. Right? Are you with me? Make sense? Yes? God's people said? Yes.
Amen. So, on the way out, either stop by a table and sign up or take a Connect card, fill it out, and drop it off at that table, and we'll make sure we get back to you real soon. Okay? Amen. Let's, let's stand together. Our heads are bowed. Thank you for being so patient this morning. Appreciate that greatly. Generational truth. Generational truth. Father in heaven, we love and, and praise you. We exalt you. We magnify you. We're so glad that we get a chance to come and worship you and serve you. I pray this morning that you'll help us to consider the information that you've given us and then what it is we're doing with that information. God, help us, I pray, to be at our very best and do our very best because you deserve nothing less. Work in every heart, every life today, we pray. If there's someone here who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, may they know they're amongst friends and maybe one day family if they'll just put their faith and trust in you. We'd love to talk to them about that. And maybe at the end of the service, they'll grab a hold of one of us, one of our staff members, one of our men or ladies, and talk a little bit more about what it means to be saved. God, help there to be a great interest today in serving you here at OB. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. And amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.